Hello, everyone, and welcome back to We Can Do Pod Things. I'm the Annalise one. And I'm the Emily one. And this is the podcast where we talk about someone else's podcast. That's someone else being Glennon Doyle, Amanda Doyle, and Abby Wambach, where we really just like to listen to episodes of We Can Do Hard Things and then talk about what we think about it or what resonated with us or just what really made us stop and think. And um, so we're just kind of riding the coattails of that n- inspiration until, you know, whenever. Mm-hmm. Until we get a cease and desist order. Sunset. Yeah. Emily has our quote of the week um, from Adam Grant. Yes. I went to Adam Grant for our quote because a lot of what we're talking about when it comes to burnout reminds me of his – writing about flourishing versus Mm -hmm. languishing. Mm -hmm. So today, Adam Grant tells us, listen to the advice you give to others. It's often the advice you need to take yourself, Mm. which feels very relevant to when we are depleted, our reluctancy to restore ourselves versus when we see that someone else is depleted, how we will encourage them to care for themselves. It's very on brand. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so in case you hadn't figured out, we are, um, listening, covering the episode by Emily Nagoski and Amelia Nagoski, where they, where Amanda and Glennon talk about the book Burnout that the sisters wrote together, Emily and Amelia. And then at the end of that episode, Emily and Amelia answer some listener questions. And I love this book. It's, um, very neuroscience, which is my jam. And it introduced me to the book Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. Which is my jam. Sleeping. <laughs> I haven't read the book, but if I have a jam, it's sleeping. I was actually talking about um, the different sleep cycles yesterday, too. And like, a, like, not at all like I'm like super competent or anything in it, but just like a nerd. I was like, so there's like, there's like NREM and then there's like REM sleep and like, then there's a cycle of NREM and then like there's another cycle. And I was just like, okay, you are, that is not cute. Not cute. I think it's a great look on you. Well, okay. The very first thing I have written down in here is just adrenaline and cortisol. Everybody's favorite redheaded stepchild. (laughs) And I was talking with a client yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Maybe it was a couple days ago. And I think I'm pretty sure it was a kid client. And they were saying something about how like, well, get, you know, getting all that adrenaline gives you all that gives you so much energy and you got to figure out how to have like, you want to get that adrenaline, keep that adrenaline going or something when you're tired. And I'm like, actually, Adrenaline isn't necessarily what gives us energy. It's just, you know, like it makes our heart rate heart rate faster, our heart beat faster, our blood plump, plumping and pumping <laughs> faster. Um, and it does might give us a burst of energy if we to like fight or whatnot. But adrenaline and cortisol for long periods of time are actually pretty toxic to our bodies. Mm-hmm. And that's where we get all this chronic heart disease or like serious heart problems from the stress of having these two hormones flowing through our body all the time and um, all the inflammation that builds up inside our body with nowhere to go. Like that's not necessarily something that we want to synthesize more of. Yeah. And as Glennon points out, we were never meant to experience all the highs and lows of the entire world. Mm. So from an evolutionary standpoint – 
we are not equipped to live in the world that we currently live. Oh my God. And that's to me also very like, um, can't tell the difference between good stress and bad stress. Mm-hmm. That's something else that she talked about later, which I don't know that there is good stress. I I think what she's talking about is not stress. I think maybe she's talking about like excitement or whatever, mm-hmm. but that's also that our brain can't tell the difference between a perceived threat and an actual threat, actual being like physical. Um, the Cause ne- that'll um, cause you to have that surge of adrenaline too. Exactly. As excitement, being on the roller coaster, whatever it is, it may not be quote unquote bad stress, but it looks like bad stress to your body. Right. And so if it looks like bad stress to your body, is it mm-hmm. good? I don't know. I'll have to ask my love life that later. <laughs> there is none. Uh, the Okay, so the next thing I have written down is where she just talks about the game is rigged and that is always going to signal to me learned helplessness. And they don't really get into that a whole lot um, during that, but I just I wrote it down because I thought maybe we were going to go that way and we didn't. But it is important for us to recognize that the game is rigged. So that we don't fall into that trap of learned helplessness. God, all these roads lead back to white supremacy and patriarchy. Mm-hmm. I mean, the game is rigged for all of us, but more 100% so. more so to marginalized people. Mm-hmm. That was one thing I liked about this book, too, was how <clears throat> they draw it in with minority, with body size with ableism Mm -hmm. and they were really inclusive and I really appreciated that. What's it going to take for me to just find myself in a room with Trisha Hersey, Mm -hmm. Sonia Renee Taylor. I want the Nagoski duo. I'll, I'll pay whatever. I'll pay whatever it is. (laughs) Shut up and take my money. Um, that sounds like some manifesting that we're going to have to be mm-hmm. working on yep, in the mirror I have officially day. put that out into the universe. The universe will bring it to me. The next thing I have written down is human being sounds awful mm. because she talks about there are two models of people. There are the human beings and the human givers. And the human beings are the ones that are out there doing, living their life, asking for their, getting their needs met, mm-hmm. asking for what they want taken the world by storm and then the human givers are the ones behind the scenes doing the work for everyone and as soon as she starts talking about human beings i'm like oh my god they ask for what they want (laughs) gross ew (laughs) ew they just go out and do whatever they want they don't think about like what everyone oh cannot relate that's disgusting but it does it sounds exhausting how fucked up is that right that to me, it's more comforting to live within the space where I can think about what everybody else needs and not what I need. Well, they also framed it as main characters versus supporting characters. Yeah, and I don't like that either. Because mm-hmm. I definitely love me some main character energy. Yeah. Well, shit. Now but I'm can you love mind. you some main character energy if you are a human giver and not spending enough time being a human being? We're probably meant to be a little of both. Right, right. I think maybe it's more that I love the idea of mm-hmm. main character energy. It's aspirational. Right? <laughs> Where it's like, oh my God, I would totally be that person. But if I don't ever live main character energy, then I can't fail at it either. Mm. So 
Well, I'm eight minutes in and got a new topic for therapy, so that's, <laughs> that's fun. So a note that I have is Amanda's quote when she says, not knowing why we are suffering is an added layer of suffering. Oh, God. I have to think about that for a second. It reminds me of Brene mm. when she talks about how important it is for us to be able to name what we feel. The limits of my language or the limits of my world, which mm -hmm. Brene Brown got from someone else, but I don't remember who at this moment. Yes. Because in that, yes, because what I was thinking was about how we talked last week about trauma and um, disability, specifically like a cognitive or intellectual disability and how not knowing what's going on mm -hmm. is going to be more traumatic because it's so much more confusing. You just don't even know. It reminds me of being lost in the woods during the day mm, and how scary that is. Yeah. Compared to how scary it becomes when you're lost in the woods in the dead mm. of night. Oh my God. Yes. And it's it too, it's that whole anxiety thing of like, are you aware that we're all going to die one of these days? Or that we're all going to die. Everyone's and I die. am aware. Yes. In, in case <laughs> the listeners weren't following, we are all we are both very, very aware. Yes. And how it's sometimes it's not even that I don't need someone to solve that problem. It's just someone acknowledging mm -hmm. that. Saying, yes, you're not crazy. This is what's going on. Right. That oftentimes alleviates some of that stress because mm -hmm. you're just like, okay, yeah, no, I'm seen. And they talk about how maybe at times the feeling is mislabeled as depression. Mm. And the difference between burnout and depression is that with burnout, you just keep going. Yeah. And not in a good way, folks. No. no. I know – when I have been working on my own stuff and trying to think about the difference between peace and depression, and I don't really know what the difference in not and realizing that I don't really know the difference, or I'm scared of feeling peace because what if that feels like depression? Because depression is just numb in the absence of all of any kind of feeling, and if and isn't that just peace? Peace is, but it's not. Isn't it crazy how often we are striving for things that we can't even define? Yes, that is in fact crazy. Yes. It's like if we don't what we don't even know what to ask for because we don't even know what we want. We don't even actually know what we want. What do I actually want? Is it peace? Mm -hmm. Is it depression? Is it numbness? Is it happiness, excitement, stress? I don't I don't know, which is why SEL mm -hmm. is so socio-emotional learning is so important to be teaching in schools because if our kids don't understand what these feelings are, then they're not going to understand what these feelings are as adults. And they're going to be seeking after that thing that they think that they want because that's what this person says that they want. But it might be a completely different feeling. Mm -hmm. We all have to have the same language in order to operate and go towards the same direction. Or at the very least, if you don't have the same language as everyone else, you at least need to know what it means for you. Mm, yeah. What it looks I mean, like for you. Yes. Yes. Someone else's definition of peace may be completely different from yours, but the important thing is that you know what your definition is. Yeah. Man, that's such a good point. She talks about um, depersonalization. Can you – do you remember? I do. So I want to care, Ugh, but I can't. Right. 
Right. Yep. I see all of these terrible things going on in the world and I really want to care, but I have this compassion fatigue yeah. yep. and I just cannot pull from a well that is bone dry. That is it. Yes. Cause then I wrote compassion fatigue right underneath mm-hmm. it. So I was, I couldn't remember if they were connected or not, but they very much are. And how a lot of the people in the helpers are the ones that are so prone to compassion fatigue. So if the helpers are the ones that are burned out and and drawing from an empty well, we're kind of fucked. And if you are a helper, then my suspicion is that maybe a reason why you're a helper is because Mm -hmm. historically you have been energized by helping. Mm -hmm. And so to land in this place in the last few years where not only is helping not energizing anymore, Mm -hmm. it's actually draining you is unfamiliar. And that is something that the sisters, the Nagoski sisters touch on later on. There was a person that had, that called in and said, how do I know which I have so much empathy and so much compassion and I do want to do all of the things to help people because that is what I find most rewarding. But how do I know where's the right stuff to be helping with versus what's going to drain me? Mm-hmm. And she says, it's all important. What makes you come alive? What kind of problems do I like solving? Those are the ones that you need to spend your time on. What fills you up rather than depletes you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to post those questions Mm -hmm. somewhere where I see them every day. Yeah. But then again, that also requires us or makes us – we're operating under the assumption that we know what makes us come alive. We know what we like. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I think a lot of that is sitting down and we've, we talked about this in that very first episode. What, what is fun for you? Mm-hmm. Not like what I, what not I enjoy watching my kids open stuff. Like what is actual fun for you? Right. Versus what do I just kind of feel good about, but it doesn't actually satisfy mm-hmm. me. Man, I kind of am feeling a little bummed at <laughs> how much introspection is required for this stuff to work. <laughs> I had written down that emotional exhaustion is typically trends more towards the women. Mm. That's how women experience burnout. Mm -hmm. And for men, it tends to be decreased sense of accomplishment. So we can't even – common language again, folks. We can't even really explain to each other why I feel how I feel and – my male partner feels the way that he feels. When we talk about burnout and we think we're talking about the same thing, in fact, we're not talking about the same thing. He's experiencing it in a completely different way than I am. They're not even opposite sides of the same coin. They're completely different currencies. Mm -hmm. One, they're not, it's not apples and oranges. It's something completely different. Mm -hmm. That is frustrating on multiple levels because it, there's a, there's so much empathy then that's required from people who just can't give any fucks. From a glass half full perspective, it's also really encouraging mm-hmm. in that it helps me understand why I sometimes feel as if we're not hearing or mm-hmm. seeing each other. Mm-hmm. And it's not because our values are misaligned. It's not. And it isn't that the other person just doesn't care Mm. or isn't trying to understand me. 
we just have totally different experiences of burnout. And those are both valid. Mm -hmm. Just because you're not burnout in the same way that I am doesn't mean either one of our burnouts is more or less valuable Mm -hmm. or real. So, and then we get to talk about my favorite part of the book. One of my favorite parts of the book where she talks about completing the stress cycle. And when evolutionarily our bodies felt the lion, we Mm -hmm. were chased by the lion or the bear, we were attacked or whatever. And our threat response system kicks in and that adrenaline and that cortisol is pumping. The, The stressors of today are not the same as they were way back when. Should we say something about how she differentiates between stressors Mm, and stress? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I thought that that was important. The stressor is the thing that's happening outside of you. Mm. The bill that needs paid, the project that is due tomorrow that your kid just told you about, (laughs) whatever it is, it's the thing that's happening externally. It bumps up against you Mm -hmm. and internally is where the stress happens. Mm, Yes, yes. And so the absence of the stressor does not mean the absence of the stress. They are distinct from each other. Yes, yes. And Glennon kind of talks about that a little bit later too. Um, And we'll, we'll come back to that. But the stressors that we're bumping up against now aren't the same Mm -hmm. as they were originally. They don't require the same kind of response. So because we're not completing that stress cycle of burning off all of that adrenaline and cortisol and endorphins and happy people just don't kill their husbands, (laughs) then we're not actually completing the cycle and we're just kind of stuck in this loop of constant stress because we've never completed the action. Mm -hmm. We didn't exert the energy required to overcome the stressor. And then – um. Glennon talks about, I don't, she, she was like, I don't really, I don't need a class where someone's telling me to like pedal faster, or run faster or whatever. I don't like running because like I'm already, I'm, I'm anxious from the couch mm-hmm. and having been that person myself, I know what she means, but there really is something to be said about that physical action of exerting all of that physical force to get it out of your system. Mm -hmm. And like the running for me, I don't, I generally only run when I'm stressed. Mm -hmm. If you catch out me, catch me out there running, it's probably because something is making me anxious or something is affecting me and I can't stop thinking about it. And so I just need to run to, to get all of that out of my body. I started running during the pandemic and I realized that I could sit on the couch and think about all of this shit for the next two hours and and accomplish nothing and just continue to be anxious. Or I could go run and just completely physically exhaust my body and my brain and feel so much better. And, and we I was talked like, about bilateral stimulation yes. and scanning the horizon and how it engages the different hemispheres of your brain. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not just somebody tells you, go take a walk go jog right? because there's not some science that supports it. Right. And this isn't just like busy work. This is like actual, mm-hmm. our bodies were made for this. And that I think she did talk about, she ne- she likes to do yoga. Um, 
or she prefers, you know, go for a walk, which that walk is the same. It's the same thing. It's that bilateral stimulation Mm -hmm. and the left, right, left, right. And for me, when I started running, if I tried to think about like the, the, the more I thought about running or thought about what I was doing and the more aware I was of it, the less helpful it was. Mm -hmm. The more I was able to just fall into that pattern of just getting into a pace and my breathing and everything and just letting that take over, that's when I was able to like burn through all of my pent up feelings instead of actively thinking about what I was doing. Yeah. Imagine that. I'm going to stick to the 20-second hug. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I remember when I listened to this book, I remember being like so sad when I heard about it because John Gottman of the Gottman Research Institute, like they do a lot of relationship stuff. And that's like one of the crucial things for a marriage is like that super long hug. Mm-hmm. And I just remember being so sad, like I'll, I just want a really long hug. Like uh, that's what I'll, that's just love me. Just love me. <laughs> Hold me. Like it does the same thing. It's that pressure on your body and the, and the physical expression of what you're needing. I like the, um, though that Glennon did also talk about doing yoga mm-hmm. because that's also like distress tolerance. And that's, they probably talk about it in burnout, but they also talk about it. Uh, Nicola Pera talks about it in how to do the work and how our bodies are constantly it's neuroception where we're constantly scanning for for safety wherever we are and yoga helps us engage specific parts of our body if we're doing it in a class situation in public so that we can start building up more familiarity with I am in a group of people and I am safe Mm -hmm. instead of I'm in a group of people and I have to be hypervigilant because I don't know what's going to happen at any given time. But uh, I would, I definitely find hugging to be way better. And they, she talks about this being the best type of hug for your kids Mm-hmm. is for them having their feet on the ground. And she she talks about too. You when both she, have to be in your center of yes, gravity. Because she and Abby would do something. Maybe it was yoga. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And whenever she, she would catch herself trying to focus on Abby and using that as her like fixed point or whatever mm-hmm. to keep her balance. But then as soon as she did that, she would lose her balance because Abby is also moving. Abby isn't fixed. We can't get our security from another person. Yeah. It made me think of being a person who's a little on the shorter side, (laughs) who's married to a person who's a little on the taller side. Mm. And you have to find your sweet spot when it comes to hugging each other because until you do, it's going to be uncomfortable for one of you. Either one of you is reaching upwards Mm -hmm. or one of you has to kind of hunch down. Mm -hmm. And that's not the – deeply satisfying hug that you yeah. need to complete your stress cycle. Yeah. And ha- have you seen any of the videos on co-regulation where it's like sitting, whether it's your partner or you or parent to kid across from each other, heart to heart in that even and eyes to eyes and looking in each other's eyes and breathing in and breathing out. And like if you're hugging like having the heart pressed against 
the other person's mm-hmm. heart and that evenness and that sameness being what's really fulfilling. And that's one thing they say about when hugging your kid when their feet are on the ground mm-hmm. is it's the difference between I will protect you versus you are safe within yourself. Literally grounded. You mm-hmm. are grounded here in this space on your own. Yes, you are you are as safe on your own as you are with me. Mm-hmm. You don't need any outside influence mm-hmm. to make you stronger. I guess I don't like that we use the word grounded as punishment. I'm just now thinking yeah, about that. Yeah, same. That's some bullshit. Yeah, we need a new word, guys. Yeah, I don't like that at all. Hmm. I'm going to need some suggestions on that. So then we talk about... The bubble of love. <laughs> Before we do, can I ask you a question about the stress cycle? Yes. Since you have read the book and I have not. Are they saying that every time you cross off a stressor, you have to do 20 jumping jacks or whatever it is? Are they saying that there always has to be an action or something that purges the stress in your body? Kind of, yeah. So like, because this this is what I'm wondering, because if I am stressed about turning in a homework assignment and then I turn in the homework assignment and I feel relief mm-hmm. and I don't, I'm not aware that the stress is still in my body, is it still there anyway? And I just don't know it's there. And so I still need to run around my office or whatever I need to That's do. That's a really great question. Yeah. Like, is this... A sometimes rule or an all the time rule? God, that's a really hard question for me because I'm I'm generally like the black and white, like it's a rule. So rule govern, we got to mm-hmm. do it. But nobody does that. No, you're right. But like my, my thought is maybe it doesn't have to be, <clears throat> now you got to go run for 20 minutes, but maybe it's like a, do a couple burpees just just because mm-hmm. just in just just in case just yeah. to make sure but i also don't want people walking around being like annalise said i need to doubt my instincts and even though it feels okay and it feels right in my body that it's probably not right and there's or still then it something feels like something else i have to do right right like <laughs> now I can't, here's another thing right. that i've been doing wrong that i have to do god i can't complete my homework because then i'm gonna have to do these fucking burpees and like <laughs> that's not helpful either i guess maybe is it like so we talk about lower t Small T trauma and big T trauma. Mm. Is it like little S? Little S stress stress and capital S stress? (laughs) I would say, you know what I'm going to say? Because I can do it when I'm aware of it. Yeah. Absolutely. But when I'm not aware of it, do I still make, do I need to make it a point to do it? God. Anyway. You know, I'm super glad that you asked that because I get capital S stress at the most inconvenient times sometimes. Lately, it's been while driving. If it was convenient, it probably wouldn't be as stressful. (laughs) Right? But like physically, I'll feel like what the heck is going on in my body right now? Like I was driving earlier today and I was just so anxious and like my heart was beating so fast. And like if I was at home in front of my computer or somewhere or even like out in public, like just walking or something, I could, you know, like jog or do something. Mm-hmm. But when you're driving, like, what am I going to do? I sing. can't. <laughs> sing loud. Okay. I'm sure there's something to that. You're, like signaling to there is the village that you're in danger or whatever. I bet that that's 
in your body. There is. Wait a minute. I'm having a memory. I'm having a memory. Maybe it wasn't this book. Maybe it was somewhere else. Oh, or maybe it was this book. They talk about singing, activating your, um, is it the sympathetic nerve system? And especially there's research that shows that especially Disney songs, because they have a specific chord structure and um, the the notes that you belt out are like just the right length to like, I swear to God, that might have actually Manuel been this Miranda, book. We just cracked your code, my <laughs> friends. We have you all figured out. Yeah, no, that's a thing. I'm pretty sure I'm 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 gonna check my sources real quick. Well, it seems like anytime that you raise your voice, that would complete your stress cycle because that would be a signal to your body that you are having what is an appropriate reaction to something that caused your fight or flight. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if that is it. I don't know if it was the Nagoski Nagoski sisters, but there is um a website called singupfoundation.org that talks about how singing and health and well-being um, are linked because singing lowers cortisol mm-hmm. and relieves stress and tension. And studies have shown that when people sing, endorphins and oxytocin are released, which in turn lowers stress and anxiety levels. Um, it releases endorphins. It's a mindful activity. And I and I know that, I'll, you know, it, because it requires breath control Mm -hmm. and phrasing and it can also involve um social like it can be a social behavior Mm -hmm. other involve other people and social even when it doesn't involve other people it feels social yeah do you know what i mean yes yes and it's that connection of that common we 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 all know the song or we know this song yeah it's a shared experience even when you're alone it's when your your neighbors on animal crossing all start humming or bebopping. I love it when they do that. It's so cute. It is adorable. (laughs) But it's also really hard to hear the shooting stars sometimes when you get five of them all standing together in the plaza doing their little thing. But it is, it's sweet because Mm -hmm. it's connection and it's connecting physically through our voices and emotionally through a shared my Animal Crossing characters are definitely in my bubble of love. Oh, They're always checking on me. Right? Like a, sometimes <laughs> it's like, no, I am just here to get some freaking wood out of my storage. I do I not have time for you to drop by. Without them running up to greet me. Oh, <laughs> oh, yes. Hello. Yep. Yep. Sure. No, definitely <laughs> think you should keep that outfit. Don't move away. I think the nickname that you call me is just fine. Thank you mm-hmm. very much. But I do love them yeah. because they are so sweet. They are they, so sweet. They do care about my well-being. And I just brought up the bubble of love, but I'm not sure we've yet defined the bubble of love. Would we you like haven't to do defined that? it. I Emily is aware that there is a certain face that I make or like certain posture that I assume when something is really fucking with my head. And because I often wait until the last minute to listen to these at two times speed, because that's just how my brain works. She got to witness me hearing about the bubble of love and see the the shutdown of the hands over the eyes, <laughs> just sitting there begrudgingly listen to Amelia talking about 
well, and Emily too also, the bubble of love, who are the people who take your well-being as seriously as you do. And those are the people that you need to be surrounding yourself with when you are a helper and empathetic and find yourself being prone to burnout. Quick edit. The people who take your well-being as seriously as you take theirs. Oh, as seriously as you take theirs. Okay. Well, that does change something that I was thinking about a little bit later. Because nobody probably is going to take your well-being as seriously as you do, hopefully. Or there are probably people who take it more seriously than you do. Yes. But finding someone who is at the exact equilibrium of you yourself and how you feel about your well-being is how, You're not going to find somebody who right. equally matches that precisely right. where you are. But you can find people, hopefully, and if you haven't yet, you deserve to. Keep looking, yes. Mm-hmm, who care about your well-being as much as you care about theirs. Yeah. That- I'm sitting across the table from one. <laughs> oh. It's hard, though, because there are people who at times – look like they care about your well-being as much as you care about theirs. Mm -hmm. And what if you care about their well-being, though, more than they care about yours? But see, that's where for me, then I was like, okay, it's this whole you can only love someone as much as they love themselves. I can care so deeply about someone else's well-being and them care very deeply about mine, but not necessarily be at that same level. But is it because they also don't care about their own well-being? And I think with something like this... Is it even relevant for me to try to understand to begin with? Like, is that even knowable? Like, why does it matter? All it matters is that it that this person... I have a done- bad habit of trying to make everything knowable, <laughs> even when it's not. No. <laughs> so I'm probably not the one to answer that question. It was just a thought that I had was like, okay, well, so maybe because I do care so much about this person and their well-being and and there have been times when they've demonstrated that like they knew how to meet my needs when I practically didn't know how to meet them myself mm-hmm. and that them being them paying attention and how that makes me feel loved and all that. And then them very clearly demonstrating the opposite. Okay. Two things. Number one. They're not saying that you can't still care about those people. They're just saying those people are not in your bubble of love. So those are not the people that you go to when you need to be restored necessarily because they haven't consistently demonstrated. Yeah. Yeah. They can demonstrate it six times out of ten. It's the tier of friendship. Yes. So there's still a place for them, Mm. but it's not inside the bubble, Mm -hmm. maybe. Mm -hmm. Hate it. (laughs) Hated it. Hated it. But it it is really relevant. And they, and she, um, she also talked about if there are those people that are, when you're putting up those boundaries and saying it's the um, human giver, she was talking about human giver mm-hmm. syndrome too, and turning um, the people who take versus the fellow givers, the entitled takers versus the fellow givers. And when you come up against someone who is the entitled taker, and you are putting up your boundaries and they're resisting that and they're reacting to that and they're trying to make you feel bad mm-hmm. for putting up your boundary, that being a sign that they are they don't belong in your bubble of love. Mm-hmm. They are the opposite. They are taking your energy without 
returning it. Right. Without giving it. And sometimes that can be disturbing when you're not expecting that person to do that. And I wonder if because that person doesn't have bubble of love that includes mm-hmm. as many people as it needs to, because you, the hope would be that you have an, your bubble of love is populated with enough people that you can pull from them when you need to mm-hmm. without having to pull a hundred percent of the energy that you need from one person. Mm, yeah. It's meant to be distributed. Yeah. 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 And so if you're dealing with a person who's pulling all your energy, it may not be that they're doing it because they're awful people. They may just not have enough other people to pull any positive restorative energy from. So they try and suck it all right they're out like of you. They're like an accidental vampire. Yes. Huh. That's something I'm going to ruminate on for a while because that's such a good point. That's also a very generous way of looking at it, which is why I love you so much because – You have that ability to make those connections. This is why I think I'm an Enneagram 9. You guys, breaking news. (laughs) I don't think I'm an Enneagram 2 or an Enneagram 3. I think I'm a 9. We are going to have to make a follow-up episode Mm -hmm. on the Enneagram. We should probably (laughs) – let's do it. Let's take an updated We should do an Enneagram episode at least once every six months probably. Yes. I agree. I think think that – I think – Yes. Because it's a moving target. It is. It is. It, it is. Especially like the healing, the work of healing is never done. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, you're going to be healing different wounds as you grow and as you heal. So the other, the next thing I have written down is where she talks about turn towards each other's needs with kindness and motherfucking compassion. <laughs> it's not this beautiful, lovely rainbows and butterflies it's through gritted teeth. Yes. Motherfucking compassion. compassion. Because it's not easy. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Compassion is hard and generosity is hard and and gi- giving people the benefit of the doubt is hard and scary, but it does tend to lead to some more rewarding outcomes, mm-hmm. doesn't it? And that's how we get through all this bullshit. Agreed. I think that you probably have this in your notes. I know I have it in mine. When you feel you need more grit, you need more help. Mm -hmm. When you feel you need more discipline, you need more kindness. Mm. I don't know which of them said it because their voices to me sound so similar. Yes. Yeah. But I I love it. Yes. And I'm going to – I guess I just need a whole list of things by my – mirror every morning yes. because it's getting it's just getting longer and longer. It, it's the things that I need to tell myself every day or read to myself every single day. It's giving me Chelsea Handler vibes and mm-hmm. the the thing that you think you don't need the most is what you need the most. Yeah. The thing that you resist the most is what you actually should be leaning towards. Mm-hmm. Which is great and horrible because then it's confusing. You're just like, okay, so which is it? The thing that I am having this super strong reaction to, it's not horrible. It just requires us to have curiosity. And some self-trust. Some self-trust and some curiosity and to go, whew, okay, I feel a really strong way about this. Why do I feel so strongly mm-hmm. about this? And we have to recognize that two things can be true at the same time. There, It could be that this it feels very strongly because part of it is a boundary for me, but it also could be part of it is 
sensitive for me because that was a defense that was put up a long time ago that's no longer serving its purpose anymore, which is exhausting. I don't know. I guess I, maybe I'm just really tired. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're 100% right. Why do these things have to look so similar to each other? They, ugh, I think that's because if they didn't look similar, then they wouldn't be confusing and then we wouldn't be struggling with it. I guess. I want to speak to the manager. <laughs> I have some. I have several <laughs> choice words to say to the manager. I do. Um, going back <clears throat> to earlier in the episode, her talking about like fight and flight and how those complete the stress cycle, but freeze, not doing that. Mm-hmm. And we and I've talked about that before, and we've talked about before, especially women who find ourselves stuck in freeze and. Glennon very generously pointing out that freeze is a response for a reason. Mm -hmm. It was adaptive for a reason. It helped you survive in a spot where you were not strong enough to fight and you were not fast enough to flee. Mm -hmm. But it sure would be great if it could expend some sort of physical energy (laughs) so that I could get that fucking cortisol out. Mm -hmm. And that's that's all I have to say about that. When she starts answering the question, when they start answering the questions at the end and they get to the educator and they bring up Mm. that 60% of teachers at this point in our nation are thinking about leaving the profession. Let's just all sit with that Mm -hmm. for a minute. Mm -hmm. And I, of course, have a bias because I work in a school, but – can't we all just make a little bit more room for for generosity for our educators? Yes. And if you're not willing to do it for them, do it for yourself and for the future of our society. Because if we keep driving good people out mm. of education, mm-hmm. we're just inviting an entire generation of undereducated kids because nobody wants to come in and teach them because it's too hard. It's thankless. It's punishment. It is. Yeah. We can't ask people. It isn't just that it's too hard. It's that it's self-destructive. We can't Mm -hmm. ask – we can ask people to do hard things. We can't ask people to do self-destructive things. Right. And and let's be clear. It's not that it's self-destructive because kids are horrible. No. Or – you know, the work is just like, like kids don't deserve that. It's because we're giving them impossible tasks. We're setting them up for failure. Mm-hmm. We're putting way more expectations on them with far fewer resources than what anyone could be operating we're with. We're making them the scapegoat, scapegoats of so many things. Mm. We need to do better, you guys. All of us need to do better. Yes. And Honest- well, we're going to have to teach our own kids and none of us want to do that. No, if, if e-learning has done what anything, one thing, it has shown me that I love my child so yeah. much that I never want him to have me as a teacher. Remember that, you guys? Remember how miserable we were? Nobody wants that. Mm-mm. Another thing that came up when they were answering the questions at the end is one of the callers said, I think she was a nurse. And she was feeling so frustrated. It doesn't even feel like the right word, but it's the the word that's the most available to me. Defeated. That's a better one. Um, Because during COVID, here she is putting herself on the line, doing this work, taking care of people, and facing all of this judgment from people who still believed that COVID was a myth, a scam. Mm -hmm. and. 
this poor woman, like so many other people, was like, what am, What do I do with that? How do I navigate that? I'm actively out here trying to do this thing. And then there are people actively out here fighting against mm-hmm. me, trying to keep them, keep me from my goal, which is to keep them alive. Yes. Yeah. And they said something really helpful and really important. That is another thing that needs to go on that. Do you know in the cartoons and the TV shows where they're like, I just have a list of a few things. The little girl that goes to see Santa and mm -hmm. then she drops the list and it's like (laughs) nine feet long. With all of her. This is my list of daily (laughs) reminders and affirmations. Um, They said the enemy isn't the uninformed masses. It's the system Mm -hmm. that benefits from keeping them uninformed. Mm -hmm. The system that intentionally drives good teachers out Mm. so that our public education system will be garbage and uneducated people are easier to control. Yes. It's Trisha Hersey vibes with Mm -hmm. the, we are all, we are oppressed because it's, well, and and it was designed this way. Sonia Renee Taylor. Mm -hmm. The The system isn't broken. It was designed like this. Yes, exactly. It's all connected. Mark it off your bingo board. Mm-hmm. And it is, and this is relevant to like this, my current soapbox of the, <laughs> of the of the week right now. Not even of the week, but just like currently my own personal life and my own battle with, um, that is not just my own personal battle. There are lots of people in our community that are upset about a specific person in a specific board, on a board that wants to has an agenda of their own that doesn't align very much with the agendas of free people mm-hmm. and how it is it is very much in this person's best interest to keep people quiet and uneducated and disembodied and unempowered mm-hmm. because that makes them easier to control. And of course, we're going to try to do that in our schools. Why would we try to raise a generation of smarter, more intelligent, healthier, more mentally Mm -hmm. well people? Because you can't control those people. And if we think about this, applying that quote, he's not even the problem. No. He has been made afraid by a system that benefits from making people afraid. He's a tool. Mm-hmm. He sure is. He is a tool <laughs> and a half. And he has become a tool of the system. And he doesn't even know it. Mm-hmm. So to all of our sweet, dear listeners out there, in nine different countries, I might add, nine different countries, um, think about the tools in your lives. And tell us about them. And the places where you might be a little bit of a tool. Same. Yes. How am I a tool? And get curious about it. Mm -hmm. And what does that say about them? And and is there a way that we can flip the script and change the narrative and unrig the game so that we can come out on top and we can achieve the outcome that makes everybody's lives better? I don't know. Write to us at podthingspodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at we can do pod things with underscores in between the words. Thank you so much for listening. Before we, we go. Yes. Should we talk about the episode that we're going to do next time? Yes, we Because we, we said that we would. Yes. 
and you get to pick. My brain got ahead of me there first, or my mouth got ahead of my brain because I said that, and then I realized I'm supposed to choose. You are, yeah. And I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> Should we pause? Should we pause a second? Yes. Okay. 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 Have you come to a? Decision? I believe I have. Okay. I think I would like to do the five criticism survival strategies. Um, it's a pretty recent one. It's less than a week old. So if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to it yet, check it out. We'll be here talking about it next week. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. We love you so much. I'm the Emily one. I'm the Annalise one. Bye. Bye.